I'll say hello to somebody tonight. We're glad for our guests and regular attenders both, and we're glad for those who are watching tonight on YouTube and other platforms. I'm holding up a little smiley track. We have them. How many of you carry them on your person or with you wherever you go? Yes, we want to get in that habit. Now, tonight, I would like you to, to uh, connect with Tyler Candy, and as an encouragement to you, as a goal to you and an encouragement to others, give him some kind of a goal that you're going to strive for between September the 3rd and September the 17th. Now, I didn't have a choice in it. Last time, I distributed 200 and some tracks by the grace of God for His glory. No credit to me, but uh, I did everything I could. We right down to the wire. I have to say I passed more tracks because I was pushing myself and there was a goal to do it and God provided the wherewithal to do it and I was able to get out that number. Now, all of a sudden, some pastor down the line who does not even know me well has suggested that all pastors pass out 300 in those 15 days. And so there I am, okay? And uh, I looked around and I said, I think he's talking to me. And so I put down 300 as my goal. I didn't have any, any epiphany. There was no special appearance of an angelic presence to say 300 tracks. I just put down 300, okay? It's something to shoot for. If I don't hit it, I'm not slashing my wrists. I'm not going to end it all. And if I go way past, I'm not going to get on a soapbox and brag. So, Daquan, would you say that's a, that's a pretty... Would you say, you know, preacher, you make good sense. I can't hear you. I'm sorry. You said what? Yes, sir. You make good sense. Amen. That's right. I make good sense. Daquan thinks so. And, and how many of you believe Daquan? Raise your hands. Yes, he's a good man. All right. Very good. All right. So we're going to do the very best we can. Brother Tyler is just keeping a total. They would like to have us set a goal of 3,000 as a church. We did over 2,000 last time. Brother Daquan, if in our Saturday visitation we could work in at least a couple of those with track distribution, we'll hit the mall, we'll hit the parking lots, we'll give them out, and we'll sow the seed. Amen. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bearing his sheaves with him, bringing those sheaves along with us. Amen. Amen. So I want you to get excited about getting out these tracks. You folks out there on YouTube and Facebook and other platforms, you can do the same thing. We'll see to it you get those tracks. We got several thousand out at the fair. Saw 182 professions of faith, 66 assurances of salvation. Another 100 or so talked to, maybe 200, I don't know. And uh, we didn't keep count of all of them. But it was a delight. And we, we had some encouragement. Did, didn't you feel encouraged by the others? Didn't the others help encourage you? And you helped encourage each other. Praise the Lord for that. We are so glad. All right. Now, thank you for your faithfulness in giving. The regular tithes and offerings have been rolling in. I spoke with a man today. I'd like to say a special hello to Pastor John Yates. I didn't even know he was still alive. He had, he had been having special treatments. He had to resign his church, I don't know, eight or ten years ago. And several pastors have come in. Guess what? He's back at that church again being the pastor. He's 80-something years old. Praise God. You know what? Watch out for us old guys, all right? Amen. You never know what's going to be accomplished. But he and I were talking, and he said, you know, even though COVID has cut his crowd numbers down, the giving is still strong. I said, brother, the same thing's true here. I believe God allowed 
that to prove who is going to stick with it, hang in there and do the work of God. And praise the Lord for all of you here and those of you out there online. We've got some great supporting people who are miles and miles separated from us by distance and yet their, listen, their heart and their support is in this work. So praise God for that. Now you got these envelopes with the red writing that says love offering. Through the end of this month, we are giving to the ministry rent of the Briones families, uh, family in the Philippines. Now they're up in Metro um, Manila, Angeles City or something like that, right? They're up on the main island uh, and uh, they're doing a great work. A lot of great missionaries and national preachers in the Philippines. Some of the most wonderful people. We've got Dane and we've got others that, from the Philippines. Wonderful people. And if I had, I've said, if I had a thousand lives to live, I'd probably be a missionary pastor in the Philippines, 900 and some of those. But um, praise God, good people. The Brionis are doing a great job. We pay their ministry rent. So we need to have good, good support come in. This Sunday will be the last shot, maybe next Wednesday night at the latest. I'd like to welcome you to the church that is the way it used to be. I know that others have gone different w routes and uh, they've hijacked Grandma's church like the, the song I wrote. And I'm against hijacking Grandma's church. Grandma's still welcome in our old paths, old-fashioned, amen, Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church, amen. And uh, tonight we're going to continue in our, in our uh, series from 1 Corinthians. We... Talked a little bit about sin and forgiveness of sin. I want you to start turning there to 1 Corinthians. We as a church, church is so very important. That's why we're out on Wednesday nights. That's why we're, we're supporting the, the YouTube and other platforms of our IT ministry. That's why we're coming out Saturday for cleaning and visitation. Cleaning at 9, visitation at 10, and uh, getting things done for Sunday. And this Sunday will be the last, the fourth Sunday of the month of August, and we're going to have a good crowd out and uh, lots of uh, folks in attendance and a great spirit like we did last week. But there's one thing about it. We can't just hang together because we're so good looking. And I'm, I'm saying that tongue in cheek. We can't hang together just because we like each other. Uh, we, ought to, we ought to like each other, and uh, we, ought to, we ought to vote the right way. We ought to do the right things and all that. But, but what helps us to hang together is the unity of the Spirit. And that means we need to be examining our hearts like the song we, we sang as we uh, were singing just a few moments ago. And uh, uh, as it says in the fourth stanza, Oh, Holy Ghost, revival comes from thee. Send a revival. Start to work in me. We need to be cleansed. We need to be on the same page. And uh, that will enable us to accomplish greater things for the glorious cause of Jesus Christ. We're not going to be able to do it as separate, divided entities. The church at Corinth was divided. They had sin in the camp. And they were, they were in a sad state because they had gotten to the point, look at me, where they were tolerating sin in others and sin among themselves. This entity of the church is connected. And... We don't want to be harsh toward one another. We don't want to be judgmental. We've, we've preached against that 
that pharisaical attitude has no place in our church and uh, should not ever be found uh, in us. But we should not have tolerance nor neutrality toward our sin. Uh, the result is, as we're going to see in the fifth chapter of 1 Corinthians, a leavening process takes place. And you know what leaven is. Leaven, leaven is yeast. And when you put yeast in what you're cooking, what you're baking, it permeates, doesn't it? It spreads. That's what happens when we tolerate sin, when we allow for sin. People will say, well, I, I don't want to come down hard on anybody. We don't want to come down hard on anybody, but we want to call it what it is. It's sin. It's wrong. It's compromise. And that's why we're not afraid to preach on sin. That's why we're not afraid to talk about the results of sin and of tolerating that. We need to be careful. When we tolerate sin, even though it's not our particular sin, that attitude permeates the entire congregation. And it will manifest itself in some other way. So somebody's sin over yonder, that's not your sin, if you just, you know, you say, well, we're just going to let that go. That's their business. I don't want to stick my nose in their business. And when we don't pray for them and we don't have a scriptural attitude toward, toward correcting sin in the congregation, then that laid-back attitude permeates and pretty soon, you know, my sin, your sin, our sin, all of our different sins in different venues are being tolerated. You can't have that. You can't have that. So not everybody, you say, that person, you know, they, they wear immodest clothing. Or that person, uh, they go to uh, sinful places of amusement. Or that person, uh, they don't raise their kids right. Or they don't conduct their, their, um, their marriage correctly. Or that person doesn't uh, tithe. Or that person uh, doesn't attend faithfully. And you know what? One sin is as bad as another. It's all the same. And what will happen is if we tolerate a lackadaisical, uh, laid-back attitude towards sin in one area, we're going to tolerate it in all areas eventually. You can't let it happen. You say, preacher, how, how can you deal with that without being some kind of a Pharisee? I hope to answer that tonight. All right. In the same vein as we have just sung, sincerely and beautifully, cleanse me, search me, O God, as we just sang, we're, we're going to deal with the subject of the shame of uncorrected sin. The shame of uncorrected sin. Will you turn with me, please, to 1 Corinthians, written by the Apostle Paul to the church at Corinth. Uh, they're a Greek church. The Corinthians were at the crossroads. They were a cosmopolitan uh, area, and they had all kinds of idolatry and all kinds of sinful activity, uh, and there was moral laxity that had taken over the church. All right, here we go. Verse number one, chapter five, he launches right into this. I mean, he doesn't ease into it. He's a straight shooter. And the Apostle Paul, writing by inspiration, every single word of this is inspired. How many of you believe that? Say amen. Every single inspired word is also preserved. How many of you believe that? I believe that. All right. It is reported commonly that there is fornication. Now look this way, boys and girls, Young people, adults, I'm not going to get so graphic that you're going to be red-faced and embarrassed when you leave. But fornication 
is sexual activity outside of the limitations that God lays down in His Word. Any sexual sin that's outside of that is fornication. Everybody understand what I'm saying? The word, the underlying Greek word for this is the same that we get the term pornography from. But it's any sexual sin. This would be, this would be people of opposite genders, people of same genders. This would be unrelated people. This would be married single people. This would be any kind of, any kind of sexual activity outside of the bonds of holy matrimony. Are you listening to me? This is it. It is commonly reported that there is fornication among you and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles, here it is, that one should have his father's wife. Now, not his actual blood-related mom, which is what your dad's wife would be if they're married to the first parties, but if they're not, if they're not married to the first party, that's what this situation is. And so we're talking about stepmom here. So we're talking about sexual activity between this obviously adult church member in Corinth and with his stepmom. And she might be closer to his age because it's not his actual biological mother. Now the Gentiles, the Gentiles would not tolerate that. And so those that are professing believers... Here we go. What should they be doing? What should their attitude be? And ye are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I verily as absent in body but present in spirit have judged already or determined, that's what that means, as though I were present concerning him that hath so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that's by his authority, when ye are gathered together and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Here's the situation. Assuming this man is saved because he professes to be a saved member of the local church, they want him to be corrected. They want the sin that is being committed to cease. They want to clean it up. They don't just want to make this guy look bad so they look good. That's not what this means. They don't want an unnecessary uh, drama, but they also don't want to sweep this under the rug. They want to take care of it because this leavening, this permeating effect is going to have uh, a, a downward pull on everybody in the church. And it has, obviously, it's affected their reasoning uh, their, their life, uh, they're not consistent for the Lord, they're not the power house that they ought to be for the Lord because it's been tolerated. So let's, let's pray and ask God to help us to get the balance here so that we might deal with uncorrected sin. Father, fill me now with the Spirit. I pray for each person here, each person viewing and uh, each person taking in this message, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right. There are what we call secret sins. They don't remain secret very long. Take, for example, the case of Achan in the Old Testament. The, this occurs in the days of Joshua. 
Joshua has now taken the reins of authority over the children of Israel. The second generation now is getting ready to leave the wilderness and enter into the promised land. They've been promised everywhere they go, God's going to go with them. And everywhere their feet go, they're going to be able to appropriate by grace that property. They're going to get cities they didn't build, walls that they didn't build. They're going to get chariots. They're going to get horses. They're going to get crops, vineyards. They're going to get houses. They're going to get all those things wherever they go. But the, but the key is they have to do it God's way. And God wants His people to be clean. He wants His people to be right. Sexual sin isn't the only sin that takes us out of the will of God. Having a bad spirit can do it. Being slack about uh, giving tithes and offerings and being slack about reading our Bible and praying. There are many things that can take us out of the game and keep us, keep us from uh, being that powerhouse for God that we ought to be. It needs to be dealt with. Back there in Achan's day, here's what he did. He got into Jericho when the walls came down and he saw some gold and he saw some, he saw some valuables and he saw it and he got tempted and he took it and he hid it in his tent and he got found out when they went up against Ai and got defeated against a much lesser foe and Joshua said, Lord, and he got all weepy and God said, get up off the ground. There's sin in the camp. And so they... They started casting lots. That's the way they did it in those days. And can you imagine what it would have been like to be Achan as the lot gets cast on a certain tribe, a certain family, and comes down to him? Joshua says, confess it now. Gives glory to God. Confess it. And he says, yeah, I saw it. I, I lusted after it. I desired it. I took it. And that sin cost the lives 30 soldiers. So what did they do? They took Achan out and his family. That means his wife, his kids. And all the leaders in Israel took huge stones and they threw the stones until they crushed their skulls, crushed their bones, crushed their bodies and killed them. They put a big heap of rocks over them and that was it. In those days, I imagine that this was not done privately. I imagine this was done publicly. And what an effect that must have had. When we were ministering years ago down in the hills of Alabama in moonshine country and had a church, God was greatly blessing. There was a man there that was the most holy guy in the hills. His name was Pless Singleton. And Pless talked about when he was a little boy back in the early 1900s. They used to have public hangings for people that committed capital crimes. The whole town would come out and they'd watch. Wasn't a pretty sight. And he said, I remember three people. They attacked this rich family. They, they took an axe and tried to kill a woman and family, set the house on fire. Well, they got there, put the fire out. The woman recovered and she identified the assailants. And the three men were brought to justice. They were duly tried, convicted, sentenced to hang by the neck until dead. So they constructed the gallows right there in the town. And everybody came out to watch. 
And it wasn't, it wasn't some kind of horrible, you know, nasty attitude on their part. They wanted to provide a deterrent to the kids. And those three men did not let anybody down on that day that they were hung. They walked out on that platform. They were asked if they had any words. One man asked for a Bible, and he read some scripture. Obviously, he had some kind of background, and he read some scripture. And he said, he said, uh, I should have listened when I was a child. I should, have, I should have avoided all of this. Another man said, you kids don't ever do what we did. This is what, this, you're going to see what happens to people. I mean, they actually testified in advance of being hung. They put the hoods over their head, fastened the rope, tied their hands, let the traps go. Three bodies fell, three necks broke, dead. Pless Singleton, at that time, going on 80 years of age, said, that's all it took. We didn't have any more crime like that in our town. That's all it took. The public stoning of Aiken was enough to stop that from happening again. You don't read about any more AIs happening. And folks, we need a good deterrent again, don't we? Instead of this, this soft-hearted, sympathetic approach to crime and punishment, boys and girls need to be raised up to know that there is absolute right and absolute wrong. And if you disobey absolute right, then you are wrong. And there is a thing called sin. And sin has consequences. Sin has consequences. In that first church, I know there are those that are going to say, Preacher, we're not under the Old Testament law. We're under grace. Thank God we are. We would all be hanging from the end of a rope. We'd all be under a pile of rocks. We're under grace, praise the Lord. But we must deal with sin. And we cannot have a flippant, lackadaisical attitude toward our sin. Not just the other guy's sin, but our sin. And when we deal with sin scripturally, then God is going to bless. That's it. So there was this shameful sin of fornication going on in the church. Not only was it going on, they weren't doing anything about it. Satan loves to make people think, well, that's not so bad, or other people, or whatever. But Satan always wants to corrupt and take that which is perfect and beautiful, and make it ugly. Will you turn with me, please, in the Old Testament to the book of Proverbs? Proverbs. Proverbs, chapter 30. Proverbs, chapter 30. Verse 18. There be three things which are too wonderful for me, beyond understanding. They're... They cause wonder. There it is. Yea, four which I know not. The way of an eagle in the air. That's a beautiful thing. The way of a serpent upon a rock. Hard to describe, isn't it? 
the way of a ship in the midst of the sea, and the way of a man with a maid. All right, here's, here's what the writer of Proverbs is saying. There are some things, and they are mysterious, and they ought to remain mysterious. There are some things that ought to be private. The most wicked thing the devil has done is he has taken something beautiful and personal and private that's supposed to be within the bonds of matrimony, and now he has made it so that anybody can do whatever they want, anywhere, anytime, and uh, even put it up on the screen so that people can see it. And why would you pipe that kind of spiritual sewage into your living room? That's why our missionary, Gerald Sutek, we travel in evangelism, would often refer to the television as the glass toilet. And he's absolutely right. In many ways it is just that and nothing better. Be careful. Be oh so careful. All right. So, what God has intended to be perfect and between a man and a woman in marriage has been made ugly by the devil and sinful because of the way it's been perverted. There it is. And so Paul is jumping right in and abruptly begins to handle this, this shameful, sinful thing. It's, it's, it's disgusting. Uh, it is as low down as it can be. Now the word have that you see there, one, two, three, four, four words from the end of verse one, is a word that indicates a permanent relationship. So this is not talking about a one-time affair, a one-event affair. This is talking about something that's gone on and continues going on. And this, the son is either married to the former stepmom or is living with her in that illicit relationship. This is a prominent member they have to do something. There's got to be, uh, there has got to be scriptural discipline that takes place. Even the world does not accept this, and legally, technically, this is incest. So, though there's no blood between them, there is still absolutely wrong. Would you turn in your Bible with me to the book of Galatians? Galatians. Please notice in chapter number 6. It says in verse 1, Brethren, save people. If a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. It is our responsibility to be right, take care of responsibilities. But when others disable themselves spiritually, then those who are spiritual need to, with a proper spirit and attitude, try to restore. The word restore means to set a broken bone. So if you've got a dislocated or a broken bone, that bone needs to be reset. And that's exactly what to restore means, to reset that broken bone. 
There it is. Very, very simply, that's what our responsibility is to look out after others. Now, we know that originally we've been told to flee fornication. We've been told to run from sexual sin, not be anywhere around it. And the first time there is a suggestion, the temptation of it, somebody starts advancing that way, we need to physically depart. The answer, the answer for sexual sin is not to stand and debate it. It is to leave that area, get away from it. Get somebody who is accountable and notify them. With the case of Joseph, he fled from Potiphar's wife. He was, he was uh, lied about and unfairly imprisoned, but at least he didn't have that sin on his record. It's more important to be right with God and be lied about than it would to, to cave in order to, to keep it, you think, from becoming known. Every secret thing is going to become known, either now or in the hereafter. Everything is going to come out. Say, preacher, there are things I don't want to come out. Claim the blood of Jesus Christ, put them under the blood of Jesus Christ, and go on and live your life for Jesus Christ. But I'm telling you, don't play fast and loose with sin because it's going to become known. It's going to impact your life and your testimony. Irrepentant or unrepentant sin is going to bring you and all others around you down. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. It's talking about rewards. It's talking about uh, unrepentant sin. And you're, you're going to totally miss the mark. We need to avoid the sin to begin with, but run from it if it presents itself. I want you to turn with me also to Matthew's Gospel. If it becomes known, this is the proper approach. Here's the approach. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou shalt have gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouths, mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. That means a church meeting. Obviously, a church meeting that's done in private. Probably, if it's something of a very sensitive nature, uh, we ask the boys and girls and the underage minors to leave the auditorium. We turn off the sound. It's not something we broadcast and we deal with it uh, spiritually and correctly with the right spirit with an attitude of trying to restore. But how is it dealt with prior to that? Go to them, take others with you, then tell it to the church. There is a progression when it comes to correcting sin. And Paul is saying to the church at Corinth, it's your responsibility to correct this. 
It's your responsibility to get this thing taken care of. Therefore, you need to approach it on that basis. So we've got go to them, take some with you, take it to the church, try to restore them, and if they'll be restored, fine. If it's, if it's necessary for a time for something to be done, to separate them, uh, perhaps they won't be operating in a position of leadership. Uh, maybe that's for a time. But anyway, it's going to be dealt with and it's going to be, it's going to be cared for, not in a judgmental fashion, but in a, a correcting fashion because the Word of God is, is inspired and it is alive and it is powerful and it cuts both ways and it is good for, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That's why we have the Word of God. Amen. Amen. Now, there were some puffed up folks in that church and they weren't going to deal with it. They didn't want to mourn. They, they were saying, well, it's none of our business. And instead, the whole church was rendered powerless, immature, and weak. And that's why Paul said, I'm, I'm there in spirit. And, and if you need to draw on that and get some confidence and deal with this lovingly, then go ahead and deal with it and teach them to mortify their members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry. We've seen that in Colossians chapter 3 in our previous verse-by-verse -verse study. There are things that we need to put to death on this earth. And I'm talking about those things that would be active in our sinful and carnal a life if we were not spiritually in tune. Any Christian is capable of carnal, sinful activity and will go on with it if it is not addressed. It's not our business to get in somebody else's business unless it is for the purpose of trying to correct them, trying to help them, trying to bring them around where they can be blessed. There it is. There it is. If thy brother shall trespass against thee, Matthew 18, go and tell him. Go and tell him. All right, so my job is to preach the word to be instant in season and out of season. If ever there was an out of season period of history, we are living in it right now. It is like old Rome all over again. It's like the Roman Empire and uh, many, many people who are of celebrity stat uh, uh, stature in the eyes of people. Celebrities, important, famous people have the morals of a barnyard. They have the ethics of a gang of thieves. And yet they're put up on the, the shelf, they're put up on the pedestal as though they're somebody special. Now, they are, as far as their soul is concerned, they're special to God. But as far as their behavior, it is despicable, it is disgusting, and Christians ought not to have any part in emulating that junk. Self-discipline. Discipline within the church. Not to destroy, not to excommunicate, but to restore.
The only purpose for ever having a churching meeting is to bring them back. And no, they don't, they don't get to be in charge right away. There has to be a, a period of time. We understand that. But the church needs to exercise some kind of discipline. Whenever it is effectual, we can say, praise the Lord. You kept us from self-destruction, Lord. You kept us from having to go through something far worse. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. That's Hebrews chapter number 12 and verse number 5. As many as I love, Jesus says in Revelation 3, I rebuke and I chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Repent. May God impress this on our hearts. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Every head bowed, every eye closed. And how many of you tonight would say, Preacher, the Word of God is quick, it is powerful, it's alive, it is convicting. And tonight, the Spirit of God spoke to my heart. Slip your hand up. God spoke to my heart. Amen. Amen. And may we be true to the Lord Jesus Christ. In just a moment, we're going to sing an invitation. Before we do, let me just ask you this. Do you know, beyond any doubt, if you died right now, that you go to heaven? Do you know that for sure? Can you remember a time and a place when you received Jesus Christ in your heart as your own personal Savior? See, I'm not sure. I'm not positive I've done that. And right now with your head bowed and eyes closed, I want you to pray from your heart. And here's what you pray. Dear God, just pray silently to God. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sin. I deserve to pay for my sin. I believe Jesus died to save me. I believe Jesus died to save me. Right now I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart. Right now, I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior, as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die and take me to heaven when I die. Now, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, you prayed it from your heart to God, slip your hand up so I can see it right now. Bless you as you give. Where could I go? There's no 